Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Well, thanks for joining us today. Today, we've got the dynamic duo. We've got Carmen Reed Gilkinson, who's a certified coach, and she's a CPA, and they're business strategists and co-founders of Encore Empire. And what Encore Empire does is to help mission-oriented women over 40, help them optimize their foundational business strategy so that they can focus on positively impacting the world. They help New and established female entrepreneurs increase bottom line profits in their online business consistently and holistically by leveraging their past experience, honoring their values, and becoming financially savvy. With decades of combined entrepreneurial experience, they understand all aspects of business building in the online marketplace. By combining the two areas of expertise, They've created a unique, holistic approach to launching and growing business. Thank you, ladies. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. We're super excited. Yes. Great. Well, you know, it's interesting because I saw a survey the other day, and it was uh, on a digital investment platform, Wealth Simple, and it said women overall invest 40% less money than men do. That really surprised me. Does that surprise you? It surprises me, but I, uh, and this is Carmen speaking. I mean, I am very surprised. And I think that's one of the reasons Deidre and I want to focus on women over 40 and helping them understand how to create their own economy and build their own wealth by starting their own business or growing the one that they have is because we really need to be able to be the ones who are investing at an equal rate as men and you know we live longer so it doesn't make sense that less of us are investing well you know you're right and then i saw a different study and it said that it's you know a lot of times even when given the opportunity to do more many women won't step up they did a survey and they asked men and women what they would do with an extra one thousand dollars and men were 35% more likely than women to say they would invest the money. It, it, you know, I don't understand that. Being a, a woman definitely over 40 and understanding how important managing your assets is, I certainly wouldn't take that $1,000 and go shopping. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it is um, just kind of the culture, you know, and the roles that women have traditionally played over the years. It, it's like they're they're not used to thinking in that way, um, you know, based on whatever role they had in their job or in their home. And I think that women are beginning to change that. And I see the tide turning. And it's one of the reasons why we really love helping women who are entrepreneurs. Because when you become an entrepreneur, all of a sudden you're getting an education and you're getting experience and it all involves financial savviness. And I think it's really important for women to understand that that is a big part of learning to build your business as well. Well, and you ladies work specifically with with b women business owners, correct? That's right. Yep. 
So, you know, to me, that's probably they've got their head more around the business aspect than someone that hasn't been engaged in, you know, on that same level with their finances. I know personally for years, you know, um, my husband, he handled all the long-term finances and he used to say, you need to get in here. You need to learn about this. And when my kids were little, I was like, you know what? I'm good. But once I realized how much I did need to know all that, then I jumped in and I started learning. And when you start learning personally, I felt very stupid. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much to it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, when my my father passed away and my and this was years ago. So, you know, I'm in my late 50s. So my parents grew up at a time when women definitely didn't handle the finances. And so when he passed away, my mom had no idea what anything was, where anything was, how to navigate through that. And so that was a big wake up call for me. Yeah. And I I think, I'm sorry, Lee. Um, I just wanted to give a little perspective. I mean, I, I came, I have a CPA background. I'm a CPA and I worked in public accounting. So I worked with a whole lot of women and men both. Um, And because it was my vocation, like I always, you know, understood about money and was very interested in it. And but here's an interesting thing about, you know, maybe generations or how things are changing. My mom is also an accountant. Um, So she had that same exact background I had worked in it for years. And yet when her father passed away, my grandfather, um, she was left investment accounts. her and my and my uncle and even though she's been in and around financial information most of her life she still didn't really know how to think about it like all of a sudden she had all the all this this portfolio and she just you know she's like well should i just you know go spend the money or should I, you know, pay off stuff? I don't even like, she didn't even really know what to do. And so I think it really is a matter of um, people taking, women taking the position. It's not just about information. It's about how they see themselves and what their role is um, for them to actually pursue the knowledge um, that they need in order to make those decisions. Well, do you think that once women do start, you know, understanding and start investing, that they're more likely to get more involved with it? I mean, what have you seen in your business? Um, I, I think, you know, what we see is in the different stages of entrepreneurship, and this is probably um, surpasses just women, it's it's anybody, but you have to look at how you are investing your money into yourself and your business a lot differently than what people imagine when they go into it. So it, it lends itself to that education. But I think Deirdre had a really good point that no matter what the information that people are given, they have to have the right mindset. And so we talk about mindset a lot with our clients because mindset covers all these things that people don't think about, right? When you think about entrepreneurship, you're talking about, okay, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to bring my passion out into the world. I'm going to help other people. I'm going to earn money. Uh, All these things are on the list, but investing in yourself, um, mindset, 
limiting beliefs, all those things, those don't come on to the scene um, readily. You know, they, they tend to be hidden stumbling blocks that people run into. So yes, I think that becoming an entrepreneur definitely gives people uh, an edge and the ability to understand it better. And I would imagine there are a lot of people who see how when they invest in their business and they get the ROI, the return on investment, that that can translate into their personal lives. But again, I think Deidre's point was great where she said that people would have to have the right mindset and frame of mind and, and um, approach to be able to take advantage of it as well. Well, let's talk about mindset because, you know, that's where we all some, sometimes build our biggest barriers is right there in our very own head. And we tell ourselves, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. You know, I'm not sure I can learn how to do that. So what are the biggest barriers that you see in women's minds? Yeah, I think that um, a lot of it is, it's kind of what we've been talking about. It's its really about the roles and the experience that they've had in their lives. If they've never, um, if they've never built a business before, if, if they're, if it's their first time, and we even see it in women who have had their business for a while, um, they they kind of see themselves as the service provider, um, you know, whatever their business is, you know, they're all, everybody's providing service, no matter what kind of business you're in to your clients. And we have this, women in general have this nurturing aspect to us. And so that's kind of how we see ourselves. Uh, We're really good at that part of it. But if we don't understand the difference of, of being that nurturing um, service provider versus the CEO of our company. It requires a different mindset. You have to learn to think differently because now all of a sudden you're making decisions about things and it requires that you understand what your mindset is and what those limiting beliefs are. You know, as they say, you know, just being aware of it is the first step. And so when you're aware that that is there, then you actually have to work toward reprogramming those things, anything that is limiting your beliefs and your and hindering um, or causing you to struggle with your mindset on things that you need to be doing and making decisions about. Um, once you understand it, then you know how to address the problem and you can you can reprogram all those things to think in a different way. Well, do you think confidence, because sometimes, you know, the more confident I become, the more the more clarity I have in my thinking, the more sure I am about the decisions that I make. And I think that, you know, on a good day, my confidence is OK. On a bad day, hmm, then I have to really sit down and, and talk with myself and, and remind myself that of the good things that I've done. Um, I mean, we all have good and bad, but we what does the brain hold on to? Yeah. The brain remembers the bad. It's it's a true fact. Every day, research shows that we have three times more positive events in our life than negative. But what does the brain hold on to? The negative. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's the survival mode that the brain's in. You know, back in the old day, it was eat or be eaten. And our brain still, the right the right hemisphere still, all the time, two-thirds of the cells are scanning. They're looking for danger 
you know, um, and that's that's just the way the brain works. So really creating the right mindset takes some effort and it takes some you've got to put some energy towards developing positive psychology. That's right. And it takes perspective. And we like to really talk about the different um, layers of perspective, because when you're working on a business, you're working in a business, you're planning your goals, you're doing, there's so many things that go into it. Uh, I think women are really in a, in a, they have a strength for it because it's, it's a multitasking thing. And, and I'm not saying that multitasking is necessarily the thing and maybe that's the wrong word, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you grow up and you're the caregiver for so many different people, you're making sure things are working out, you're doing all this, that naturally lends itself to entrepreneurship. And, but then the mindset piece isn't the same, right? So the mindset piece, a lot of times when the caregiver is coming through, uh, approaching things as a people pleaser and they're trying to make things better for everyone else. And yes, as an entrepreneur, you're still serving people. You're, you're wanting to, you know, make people happy, but you have to do what Deidre said and step into the CEO mindset. And that re- does require, it requires different perspectives to understand, you know, you're doing this for this reason. And we like to say, take the emotion out of it. And we have people do activities and look at the data so that they can take the emotion. Because a lot of it, when you think about the mindset and the reptilian brain and and keeping us protected, you know, fear is the number one thing that it gives us is, and so it's fear about everything, fear about going live on a video, fear about investing, fear about taking a risk, fear about trying something new. And so what we, we coach our clients on is helping develop a foundational business strategy that gives them a plan that they can follow. And then they can collect the data from the steps that they are taking, look at the data, and that can inform their next decision. And that really kind of gets people into that CEO mindset. And it also, interestingly enough, is what investors do, right? You no one knows what's going to happen. People can speculate about the stock market or what investments are going to do. So you have to go in with, you definitely learn more and more as you do it, but you have to go in and you have to look at the data and you have to act on that instead of emotion. So it is kind of the same, the same thing. And it does help people get into that um, investing mindset in their personal life, in their business and in their in their growth. Well, you know, when you talk about a CEO mindset, that makes me think, you know, great executive function skills. What are some some tangibles that we can share with our listeners that a good CEO mindset would have? So um, a lot of a lot of that um, kind of comes from the financial area. And uh, the other part of it comes from the systems and the operations of the business. Um, that is really where that's this analytical piece is coming from. And I think a CEO mindset, it is a little more on the analytical side. Um, it's not, it, there is a, there's a part of a CEO mindset that's the visionary, right? That's the creative person, the one who comes up with all the ideas. But the, when we say CEO mindset, it really is about 
taking the responsibility of the role for the company and understanding that it's almost like being the captain of the ship. Like you are the captain. And so you have to decide which direction are we going and plan the route to get there. And then you have to make sure that you have everything you need for the journey. You know, that all, you know, you've got the crew members that you need, you have all the supplies that you need. And so that's where this data comes in. And it, it, I think that the CEO mindset, like we talk about, you know, positive mindset and reprogramming our mindset, but the CEO mindset is actually a skill that can be learned. It, it is something that you, you learn how to look at things through this analytical view. And as Carmen said, when you have the data that you need, and I think that's the first step is like really knowing what is that data? Now we call it KPI. Um, and a lot of people in corporate call it that. Those are key performance indicators. So when you're looking at something, let's say it's in your marketing program, you know, you have your marketing plan and you want to know if your um, if your posts are doing well on social media. You know, are they attracting the right people? Are they doing what you want them to do? Well, by understanding, you know, what are the analytics you should be looking at, you know, and when you track those and look at those, that's the skill that you're building, you know, is keeping track of that. And then the other part of it is organizing everything, is keeping everything, you know, whether it's on a spreadsheet or you have it on a Word document. And then that that is built into your schedule, like, and that's part of that CEO role. And you may have other people on your team that can do this, but I think it all starts with you. And as the CEO, you have to set all of this system up and you've got to have the infrastructure there so that you know exactly what should be in place. And then you don't have to be the one doing it all the time. Then you can hand it off to other people on your team. That makes sense. That that really does. So, you know, you we... Sounds like that you ladies target the age 40 and above um, for investing. Is that correct? Uh, for for online entrepreneurs, we do. So, yes, 40 and above. And, and we do that because we are 40 and above. <laughs> We're both over 40. And what we've found is that our stories were very similar to a lot of other people's stories where they we get to a point where either you, you can, you, I call it hitting the midlife wall, right? Like you hit a point in your life where suddenly everything you realize you've been doing everything for everyone else. And it's time to now take control and make life what you want it to be. Um, and then you start stepping into your power and people go one of two ways. They either shrink away from this idea of following their dreams and making the second half of life, the best half of life, or they get curious, they get inquisitive, they get interested and they figure, you know what, this is my time and I'm going to do it. And so we obviously cater to the people who are the ambitious entrepreneurs who want to go do all this and take their business to the next level. And they want to make an impact in the world and they understand that at this time of life, we're the most powerful we've ever been, and we might as well take advantage of it. Makes sense to me. I mean, when you think about it, when you get to your 40s, you're heading into your peak earning years. Those are ahead of you. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, the other part to this is that um, life 
tends to change. You know, a lot of a lot of the time, women have had um, a lot of them may have had families and children, um, and they have, may have worked their way up in in a career or profession. And as you've you're you kind of just shift your focus. It's like a perspective change, where all of a sudden the landscape is looking a little different because you can actually see you know, more freedom for you personally, because you don't have as many, you may not have as many responsibilities as you've had. And, you know, when, um, for those of us who've had kids, um, you know, that's our focus, right? You know, being mom. And so you get to this point, and even for those who didn't have children, a lot of times they spent their, their first part of their adulthood getting the education that they needed, you know, working their way up the proverbial corporate ladder or getting the experience they need. Well, now you can look and see, you know, am I fulfilled in what I've done? Because now you have options and choices because you you just have so much more experience and that changes your perspective on things. You, you no longer kind of take what's available, you realize I can actually make my own opportunities here. Um, and that's one of the things we we really love to talk about is this creating this idea of creating your own economy. And I know that was my experience is I got to the point in my um, public accounting career to realize, you know, I'd hit the glass ceiling. I was at the top of my firm and there was nowhere else to go. Um, and I could either, you know, make a horizontal move over to another firm where maybe there was partnership, you know, opportunities available. Um, but then it was almost like starting over. I had my experience to come with me, but I'd really have to like, you know, work it from the ground up, so to speak. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to take all these personal assets I have and I'm going to use those and create my own business so that I now have control and freedom and I can make the choices I want to make. I can work the time that I want. I can earn the money that I want. And so I think a lot of women get to that place. And even if it's not entrepreneurship is their thing, it's like they a lot of times start new pursuits and realize, you know, I could I could do the thing I've always wanted to do. And now's the time. Well, and how long does it take women once, you know, because there's, and a lot of times there's a time lapse between once you make that decision and then once you take a step forward, what's your experience? Is it a year? Is it two years? What's that timeline? Uh, well, if we're talking about someone just starting a brand new uh, business, the timeline can vary. Um it depends on what they're doing and there are so many factors that go into it. But I think that when we're talking about deciding to take life into your own hands and create what you want, the, I believe the thing that people need to keep in mind is it's a journey. And as long as you're looking at what we like to do is explain and have people follow, what are you being guided to do? What are you curious about? You know, what, is it that lights you up? We want to make sure that we help people build businesses that they absolutely love instead of building something that is just like another job. And it doesn't matter if they're building a business or they're just deciding to do something different in life or they want to volunteer. Whatever someone wants to do to make their life what they want it to be, it's got to be something that resonates with them inside on the deep level. And so by starting with their values and really thinking through what matters to them, that's how we... we encourage people to start. And then everyone's journey is different. The lengths of time are different. 
definitely working with business coaches like Deidre and I can shorten that for entrepreneurship. Um, but also, you know, enjoy the journey because that's, that's the biggest part of it. Absolutely. And that's to me, you know, that's where the learning occurs is during, is on the journey. And some of the best things that I've learned were some of the biggest struggles that I faced building this business. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think we can, we can all, we can all agree with that. We tend to like to learn things the hard way. Um, as opposed to the easy way. And I don't know, I've never, I've never been involved in online business. And I don't know how drastically different that is. Um, We're going to take a break in just a minute. But before we go to break, is there anything either of you ladies would like to say about the online business world? It changes rapidly. (laughs) Um, But if you're, if you build your foundational business strategy, which is the thing that we really love um, to help people with, that's your anchor. So no matter what changes in the online space, you're going to have a business that's, that's grounded in a firm foundation. So your anchor doesn't change. Your anchor is there. It doesn't matter what happens in the markets, doesn't matter, you know, what competitor comes at you, you've got your anchor. I mean, it sounds like have a plan, work a plan. Is That's kind of the way to approach it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about what we can all do to improve our overall investment capabilities, increase our knowledge, and do what we all want to do, become more just hate it when someone starts a sentence by saying, don't take this the wrong way, but according to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee-ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee-ups like, to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many teradiddles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tee-up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargoggle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain pricknickety. That means totally above board and precise. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Only six golfers in history have ever shot a hole-in-one while taking part in the Ryder Cup. Of course, the hole-in-one isn't a phenomenon for professional golfers only. Hackers, whiffers, and foozlers get them, while some PGA Tour pros still await their first. According to Golf Digest, who has been tracking info for more than 60 years, the odds of getting a hole-in-one for a professional is 5,000 to 1 and 12,000 to 1 for the rest of us. Tiger Woods shot his first hole-in-one when he was only 6 years old, and John Elway hit a hole-in-one on his 40th birthday. Now there's a good reason to frolic gozine or celebrate. I figured out why golf instructors insist you keep your head down and look at the ball. It's so that you can't see them laughing. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. 
Yeah, before break, we were talking about online business. And I know before COVID hit, there were many, many small businesses that had a brick and mortar and loved it. And then during COVID, a lot of those brick and mortars went away. What have you ladies seen in that world? So, yeah, it's been it's been really unfortunate. And, you know, it's there are some brick and mortars that actually um, did much better during COVID and others that, you know, fell to the wayside. And I think um, the big difference between the two were those that had um, a plan and could pivot. And by that, I mean, um, you know, if they weren't able to, if a restaurant is a perfect example. So some restaurants, you know, they just simply had to close up shop because they couldn't have anyone come into the restaurant anymore. But then there were others who pivoted and they started doing the, you know, local delivery and, and they were having curbside pickup and things like that. So it really was about kind of those that looked ahead in the future and kind of had built that out already as a as a secondary income stream. And that's one of the things that we really um, feels important for all business owners to to understand and to, and to start thinking about is, you know, what happens if, if you've only got one service or one main product or one big giant customer that you serve? What happens if that goes away? You know, where's your income coming from? So we really uh, encourage everyone to think about this uh, multiple income stream idea. And the online business space is the perfect place. It doesn't matter what business you have, you can always add on something online, you know, whether you have sell products or whether you service. In fact, we we work with um we work with a local health care provider, for example. She's a, a caregiver and a doula, so that one of our clients. And she was, you know, her income was significantly cut during COVID because she couldn't, you know, she came in person and helped people. So we were able to help her build out an online component to what she was already doing um, so that she could kind of buffer against you know, the fluctuations in, in the environment, no matter what was going to happen with COVID. Oh, that's that's very positive to hear. I'm happy to hear that. The um, So if you, if you, let's say that you were that brick and mortar that made it through, but all of a sudden you're saying, you know, I really don't see the need for the brick and mortar. How do you transition away from that? That is, so there, so what we would do in that instance is we would definitely help someone build out the strategy. Typically, you know, the brick and mortar, unless they have branches or a franchise and they're in multiple locations, then they are in a certain spot. So are they known in that spot? You know, can you leverage that local knowledge to help boost your online presence and then expand from there? Uh, there's so many things that people can do, but yeah, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who decided the overhead wasn't worth it. The, you know, they were affected. Maybe they lost their lease. I mean, who, you know, there's so many stories out there. We couldn't even probably imagine all of them, but there's always a way if you have been in business, then you can be in business online. And I think the location freedom the ability to create really what you want out of it. I, you know, that's the most fun part for me. And I believe for theater as well is we work with so many different clients who have these ideas and 
you know, the most important thing to life is you can do whatever you want to do, you know, and that, so that whole, we come back to the whole mindset thing and do you believe in yourself and can you do it? And so if you have local brick and mortar business and it went kaput or you started the online portion of it and you decided you didn't want the brick and mortar part, you know, typically if someone's going to make that change, it's because doing the business online has replaced the income. We would definitely want to create a strategy so that someone's not just cutting off their income source on a whim. Uh, and so that's what that's what business strategists do. And that's what Deodor and I do is we help look at and assess where is a business at? What are they doing? What are their assets? How can we optimize those? Where do they want to go? And how can we lay a plan for them to get there? So how long is that process when you first start working with someone? So typically, um, we work with people one-on-one, which we have found to be, um, you know, there are a lot of programs out there. And when you get into a a coaching program, um, if it's a group program, for example, and, you know, when you're working with a whole bunch of other people, um, it tends to take longer. And it it takes even longer if if it's a do-it-yourself kind of course, you know, where you're you're just, you know, learning on your own. And, you know, you've got, maybe you've got someone you can ask questions. But we like to work with people on the one-on-one thing, on the one-on-one um, basis, and we have a program. It's called the Encore Business Incubator, and it's a nine-month program. And we have found that to be the the minimum amount of time that is necessary to really um, reach those first big goals. And then we have a, a second program that comes after it. Um, that is another nine months. So for us, typically 18 months is the period of time that someone can be can fully transform their business. Now, because we do work with all different kinds of businesses um, and they all have different goals, we really just meet them where they are and we help them build out that goal. Now, for example, if a brick and mortar already had their online presence, um, let's say it's a, a, a service provider, let's say it's a, a chiropractor and uh, she wanted to go online and start doing something there to offset, you know, the lower traffic that may be happening in her business. So we would decide, you know, is it going to be a product base? A lot of them have products, natural products that they sell in in their um, local establishment anyway, or is it going to be more of a service based, you know, and a lot of things can be done on zoom. There can be all kinds of mentoring and coaching and education that happen. And then there can, you can build courses, you know, to educate people. So it really depends on the business model and how far they've gotten, you know, if they're right at the very beginning of it, or if they've already done some things and then we just simply help them optimize it. So do most of your clients come in ready for that? Um, I know that you work more with businesses that have been established a little bit. Right. Yeah. So most of our clients have existing businesses for, you know, a few years to 15 years to 30 years. I mean, it just depends. Well, the thing that we do that is so unique is we work and help people develop the foundational business strategy. And so when Deidre is talking about all the different ways that people can learn how to have a business, start a business, run a business, grow a business, there's programs, there's courses, there's all different manners of learning this, but you, 
there's what we found is that there's hardly anyone out there who is working one-on-one. And we like to say we are the silent business partners. We work in your business with you. And that's completely unique. So it's like coming in and doing that assessment that I mentioned before um, and assessing where they're at and then working side by side with them. So by focusing on the foundational business strategy, it really, we've found that it doesn't matter. A lot of the people that have come to us who have had a business for 15 years or 30 years, they are able to make money. They have a business, they have some, some level of success, but a lot of times what happens is they get to a certain glass ceiling or some kind of stumbling block that they cannot get over on their own. And it really turns out that they just need to we need to go back in and create that foundation that was never created. Because when you're going from program to program or course to course or having coaching from all different sources and no one's really in there with you helping you build this out, people tend to get bits and pieces of things and they put them together and they run with it. And people are talented. They can do a lot of stuff, but typically that's only going to last for a certain amount of time. So Even when they've had experience, we have one gal, she's, you know, one of our clients is a master salesperson, but her marketing skills are off, you know, and so she's been in business for decades. And so we're helping her with her marketing plan. It just depends on what is that one component, because when you think about it, too, in a corporation, there are departments that handle all of these things that you need to know, right? The marketing, the advertising, the HR, sales, whatever it is. When you're doing it on your own, you have to do it on your own and you're the only one who does it, but not everyone's going to have the affinity for all of those things or the talent to make all of that work. They might be really good in three quarters of what they need to know, but this one quarter is what's holding them back and they just aren't able to identify it because when we get back to what I was saying before too about perspectives and looking at your business from different levels and vantage points you lose objectivity when it's you inside your business alone. So having the guidance and support of experts working right side by side with you, we can come in and see something immediately that they have been struggling with and they couldn't see themselves. So really the time period is, um, you know, from three years up is really what our ideal client time period is for the women that we work with. So let's say that you have a women-owned business and, you know, one of the stickiest things that I have friends that own businesses and one of the stickiest things that I've seen is when they bring the business partner in. Um, And I've seen and heard uh, stories where good things go bad when you bring that business partner in. How do you advise clients that are thinking maybe they will bring in a business partner? So, yeah, you know, it all seems, you know, like the answer, right? All I just need somebody else to work with me. I just need a partner, you know, whether it's to increase your capital or to, you know, leverage your time, you know, you're just overworked and have too much to do um, or it, all, it just all feels overwhelming. But what we like to encourage people to do is it's sort of like a try it out first, situation. And by that, I mean, there are a lot of ways that you can work with other people through collaboration, through joint ventures, without actually getting into a legal partnership 
um, because that's that's kind of where it uh, it's sort of like dating versus marriage, right? You want you don't want to like meet someone and, and go straight to marriage. You want to date them for a while to see, you know, are you compatible and is this really going to work out? And it's the same thing in business. Um, you have to look at that relationship. It's not just about what skills do they have or what can they do in the business. There's a lot more to it. So this idea of you know, doing joint ventures together, which are really short-term projects that have um, a specific you know, result in mind. So for example, that's how Carmen and I started. Um, I had my own business, she had her own business. And when we met, we actually met um, at a virtual event, started talking to one another and found we really had complementary skills and we were both headed in the same direction. And we really wanted to help other women to build this a business and not a job because we saw too many entrepreneurs that were just, you know, they just built themselves a job. <laughs> they went, you know, left their job to build a job. And so we started out as a joint venture. We said, okay, we're going to, let's just do this one thing together and we'll see how that works out. And, and it worked out fantastic. Now I've done joint ventures with other people in the past. And I knew by the end of the project that, you know, it was not, it would not be someone I would want to, you know, be my business partner, you know, and to get into a long-term relationship with. So I, I think that would be the best thing. It's sort of like a try it out and, you know, understand what is the intention? Like, why do you want a business partner? And does it really make sense? Well, I think you're right. So many times we're just looking for, you know, we're looking for an answer. And we think by bringing and someone presents themselves and says, oh, I could help you with that. And and we're more inclined to say, OK, um, because we're, do, do you do your ladies get to the point where they're desperate? I think what happens is, you know, most of the women that we work with are solopreneurs. And so when you own a business, you know, it's very typical that you go in before you're at the point to build a team or some people don't even want to build a team, but they end up getting a lonely. So I don't know if they're desperate, but it's that loneliness that can eat away. And what we like to encourage people to do is to do joint ventures and collaborations, because a lot of times it's just a matter of expanding your network. And we focus a lot on relationship marketing. So anyone that you're meeting in the industry as you go to networking events, as you do collaborations or attend virtual events or in-person events, those people are all someone who can be part of your network to one extent or the other. And we help our clients identify what that can be for them. And a lot of our clients don't feel the loneliness because they are excellent at this whole relationship marketing thing and networking. And so they've always got something in the hopper with someone else. And that kind of gives you a lot of flexibility and creativity when you build out an, a network of people that you can host workshops with, or you can host events with, or you can do specials with or promotions with, you know, that's a lot of times all people need. Um, so the desperate part, we don't run into that very much. I think what we run into mostly is the lonely part. But the other aspect of that is Sometimes people just need guidance. You know, you, when you're inside the business, you can't see, you don't have the objectivity. So they're looking for um, 
confirmation that what they're doing is right. They're looking for someone to do something with them because it's going to be fun, you know? So we like to also encourage, you know, have a mentor, have a coach, um, be part of a mastermind. You've got to get some kind of inspiration from somewhere other than yourself. Otherwise you're just working in a vacuum and you're going to go crazy. Been there, done that. (laughs) And I, I don't, I don't, doesn't make me feel proud to say it, but, but I have. And I, so listen to you, I'm just sitting here shaking my head. Absolutely. 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 And I think that it's amazing the way the self-talk that we can get going on in our head about doing things. And I mean, I can remember conversations with myself where I was convinced I had to do everything. You know, I had to touch everything I had, and I, and I had to touch it very well. And looking back, I can remember the point I realized that that's, that's just not feasible. And honestly, I wished I would have realized it just a little sooner. Yeah, that is so typical. Um, you know, entrepreneurs are self-starters, right? We're all, we all have this drive, we all have this ambition, and we're good at what we do. And so that lends itself to this um, perfectionism, you know, wanting things to be, you know, just perfect and just right. And the um, no one can do it as good as me, so I'm just going to do it syndrome. <laughs> and I yeah. One of the hardest things to do in business is to um, to to kind of you 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 know you need help or you know that you're not going to get where you want to go all on your own and it's really like well then what is that next step and it's it seems like it's a huge step the minute you start thinking about hiring a team I mean it's okay to most of us are pretty comfortable going to hire like you know a bookkeeper or um, you know someone to provide you know, 